0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with The Hearing Consultancy, thehearingconsultancy.ie
1: Welcome to your weekend and welcome to Health and Fitness. It is National Carers Week. Family carers all across the Midlands are being rightly recognised for the work they do to support those that they love. What about the support that they get? Very shortly, you'll hear from a Midlands woman who's across one of the biggest family care support groups in the country. What about walking in nature? We know it's proven to be good for our mental and physical health. Keep tuned in this evening to hear about the best hill walking routes in the Midlands. The health and fitness team are also looking into injuries in elite women's soccer. Nike have brought out a new boot they claim to reduce the huge amount of ACL injuries that are occurring at the highest level of the game. We've enlisted the help of an athletic rehab uh, and a rehab therapist for women's Premier Division outfit Athlone Town uh, to provide an informed judgment on the boot and the injuries. And um, Chloe Farrell has brought me out dancing, all in the name of health and fitness. Uh, You can find out how we got on at a Midlands uh, ballet class, dance class uh, later on this evening. It's all coming up on the show and uh, starting off, we are looking at the issue of family carers. It is National Carers uh, Week this week. And um, some remarkable statistics in and around uh, this issue. The census reported that there was a 53% increase in those providing unpaid care in this country, which is uh, uh, pretty startling stuff when you hear it out loud. Uh, I want to bring in at this point uh, Tara O'Connor. She's the project coordinator of Care Alliance's online family uh, cares support group. Uh, Tara, thanks very much for talking to us on the show this evening.
2: Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: Not at all. Let's start with your story. The pathway to representing a group like family carers usually involves and probably needs the practical experience of being a carer. Um, So tell us how you became part of this community.
2: Yeah, I kind of think like most people, you don't intend to become a family carer. Your situation changes, something happens to a loved one and you just find yourself there. It's not really something you go, you actively opt into, sure. but once you are there in that position, it can very quickly kind of become your whole world, which in one way can be a good thing, but in another way, it's it's not.
1: Overwhelming, I'd know. say, to a certain degree.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was a family carer for my mother-in-law, who after a traumatic brain injury was left in a wheelchair, she couldn't use her, her leg or her arm. Was unable to speak and would have had significant cognitive issues as well. Um so it was a, I wish I looked after her for about three years and it was probably the hardest, but also the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. And um, to this day, we still have an incredible bond that nobody else can kind of understand. And there are good parts of caring as well. Like there's a lot of hard parts, but there's some as well where people like a particular smile or a small milestone that doesn't mean much to somebody else. And it's the best thing in the world for you. Um, But in my particular case, uh, I started caring just uh, just before COVID hit. And COVID was a terrifying time for family carers around the country because literally overnight, all the services stopped, all the support groups stopped. Back then there wasn't really much online okay. at all in Ireland for family carers. So it was literally overnight. Oops, there you go. You have them now 24-7. There's so much misinformation flying around. You're trying to keep yourself safe. You're terrified feel responsible for your loved one's safety or their health and safety is in your hands. And that's a lot of pressure and very overwhelming it was a very difficult time and so back then I happened to came across a group on Facebook and it was the online family care support group I joined it as a regular member and really quickly I was like oh this is different because it wasn't like you know you hear Facebook group and you kind of think okay people are arguing a bit, (laughs) sniping at each other, that's kind of what's in your head, that's not this at all. This is, completely, this is a professional moderated support group that just happens to use the Facebook platform. But what that means is that so many people got to engage and I suddenly found a community of people who understood. They and too were freaking out. They too understood the pressures, the daily pressures I was
1: under. Tara, that suggests to me that that was a resource that just simply didn't exist before, before something like this came about.
2: No, it, it really didn't. Um, Care Alliance itself, as an organisation, has been around for, for a long time. But before COVID, um, it was a small organisation with two staff members, and they pretty much focused on policy work, submissions, behind-the-scenes work, supporting member organisations. Sure. We didn't do direct work with family carers. But when COVID hit, they literally everything closed overnight, and our CEO Liam and our research officer Zoe just kind of decided we have to do something and we can't sit here and go on well, go right so they came up with the plan we're going to set up this group at the time the main focus was going to be let's have somewhere where only trusted information that everything you read here is absolutely fact-checked it's true it's not, do you remember all the misinformation flying around back I was, then and I was
1: just imagining that as you were telling me about the kind of COVID experience and now we're in 2023 halfway through it and still you know you're hearing now and and, and hopefully people were aware of this beforehand but a lot of it's still coming out where uh, groups like yourselves are are finally getting the chance to point to the fact that look it wasn't right what happened and it, yes. it, it, you know you had to use your own initiative and your own drive to fill in the gaps which you have done which is which is great but it sounds like for for the want of a few more measures and uh, a, a bit of joined up thinking uh, the experience of being a carer in this country could be so much better
2: yeah it, it absolutely could. there's a, there's a long way to go and um, and there is, I'd say, especially with COVID, there are still some services that aren't back to normal. Too, sorry, I don't want to say too normal because I don't think the, we always need more support. There needs to be more respite available. There are still some parts of the country where no respite is available mm. or very limited. It, it hasn't even got back to pre-COVID levels. and um, So it can be very hit or miss. Um, there's a lot of issues with accessing home support. Um, I know a a lot of family carers want to keep their loved one at home. And by doing that, by caring for their loved one at home, like I think Family Carers Ireland estimated that family carers save the government 20 billion a year. That's the extra cost.
1: It's, involved. It's, 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 it's one of those things when you hear that that you, you kind of scratch your head and think why are we not investing much more in this because it, it's one of those measures that um, ultimately keeps people out of the health service for want of a better expression.
2: Absolutely. If we made home support more accessible, more hours available, if all that, then more people, because generally people want to keep their loved one at home as long as they possibly can. And if we supported them to do that, then you have less people in hospitals, less people in nursing Home. It, you know, it goes through the system then all along. Then, and it's just that little bit of extra support could make such a difference.
1: What about from your own personal perspective? It sounds like you've <laughs> been through the mill on this one um, and and probably had to step up uh, often from whatever bank of experience you had previously. It seems like you're taking quantum leap for, leaps forward in terms of responsibility. And uh, I was looking at uh, some of the work you put together in presentations uh, about and for family carers about what happened during the pandemic and that type of thing. What's that been like mm. to go through from your own perspective?
2: Um. Yeah, it's 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 a bit strange. I obviously 5 years ago I never imagined this is where I'd be today. Um like I said join, joining that group initially has completely changed my life. I went on to I got very involved and I was asked to volunteer with the online support group. Um and I was doing that and I absolutely loved it and we still have a team of volunteers help me to run it on a daily basis who are just absolutely fantastic. Many of them family carers themselves. Um, and then we were very fortunate that the HSC saw what we were doing and, and the impact that we were having and granted us funding. And at that stage, then I was invited to apply for the initially part time position and quickly that So now, anyway, it's now I'm two and a half years later and I'm managing the group on a daily basis. And I think it does make a very big difference that I, I know where people are coming from. That I've been in that position, you know, there's something about empathy that where you can really understand and connect with somebody. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes our group so special, is that everybody that's on it is a family carer who understands. You don't have to over-explain. You can be honest. You can vent if you're having a bad day and people aren't going to think badly of you. They know that you still love your loved one and would happily die for them. But you can still have days where you want to strangle them (laughs) as well. And and, and that doesn't make you a bad person.
1: And and even people with the best of faith who, who just haven't been through what you've been through it's very hard to tap into and understand where you're coming from for this type of thing. So the community, it must be so uplifting to have that sense of trust and empathy, as you say, with, uh, with people like that.
2: It really is like the, the messages that, that I get sent to me or, or sent into the page, it really would sometimes bring a tear to your eye where people are just saying, like, I've finally found people who understand me. You know, I'm not as alone now. Now I don't feel like I'm alone. And those kind of things, like to have that much of an impact on someone's life, when literally all you're that you're giving them a space to just be themselves. And whether and now there is also practical help. We will signpost um, information to different courses that come up. Anything another organisation is doing, if it's of benefit to family carers, I'll share it with the group. You know anything with. Of course, income support, social welfare queries—they would be quite a big one as well. And um, so you're able to get in the one place not only the support of each other, but then also your factual information and make sure that people aren't under that there's no misinformation.
1: Yeah, going and, around. And and that 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 um, reliability in terms of information and that trust that you you can uh, really invest in when it comes to people who've been through the same thing. Is so important uh, for those listening uh, at home, and I'm getting messages in from uh, family carers who are tuned in uh, this evening. And um, the Facebook page, if someone wants to look it up right now,
2: yeah, we're the online family carer support group. Okay. You See, we're run by Care, Care Alliance, is the organisation that runs that runs the the group. Uh, you can also find us on carealliance.ie. There's some information about the organization as a whole. Um as an organisation, we also have a separate uh reemerge is the name of our back to employment programme that supports family carers who are thinking about going back into paid work, whether whether that's full time or part time or their caring is ended. You know, it, it can be difficult making that transition. So yeah. you know, there are supports out there. So please do Welcome. any membership requests and we'd be happy to welcome you into the group.
1: A group uh, with the membership of over 5,000 family carers across uh, the country. Uh, So uh, you're in good company in that respect. Tara O'Connor, Project Coordinator of Care Alliance's online family carers support group. Um, Thanks very much for talking to us uh, this evening. I hope National Carers Week has gone as you all hoped it has and I wish you every success in the future.
2: That's brilliant. Thank you so much for having us on. Really
1: appreciate it. Cheers. That's Tara O'Connor. After the break, we'll be uh, looking at the issue of ACL injuries and injuries generally at the highest level of the women's game of soccer. And stay tuned this evening because we're going to be bringing you to the Leinster School of Dance where, believe it or not, I do some ballet.
0: Health and fitness with David Hollywoods with the Hearing Consultancy, carrying out free hearing tests in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, and in our latest clinic at Mullingar Dental Clinic, Martin's Lane, Mullingar. The Hearing Consultancy.ie.
1: You're very welcome back to Health and Fitness. Uh, the next issue we're looking at, relatively interesting, everything is increasing around women's soccer, the coverage, the investment, the revenue that's coming out of it, and the attendances and hopefully at a community and um, a, a, a local level at the buy-in by young footballers up and down this country and across the Midlands. Uh, but another thing that's being increasingly highlighted uh, are the amount of injuries that occur to women playing, particularly top-level football. I think we're starting to become used to hearing that um, some of the leading players are going to miss out on major tournaments because of anterior cruciate ligament injuries, uh, particularly. uh, And it's a story that's been running and running. Uh, News has come through that uh, Nike maybe have spotted an opportunity here, uh, but uh, they have released a boot that they suggest uh, can reduce the amount of ACL injuries in elite women's soccer. It's quite the claim. Um, to maybe lift up the hood on this particular story and have a look at the truth behind the numbers of ACL injuries and maybe have a discussion about what that boot could or could not do uh, from a uh, athletic and rehabilitation perspective. I'm very glad to say that uh, David Arrington, uh, who is a, a an athletic and rehabilitation therapist with uh, Athlone Town football team has joined us uh, to look at the issue and um, uh, David works specifically with uh, Tommy Hewitt's uh, senior women's side as well so is well placed on this one. David Thanks for taking our call this evening.
3: Hi, Dave. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Matt. Pleasure, pleasure to be on.
1: Um, so, as I was just saying, there we've we're generally anecdotally aware of a high prevalence of ACL injuries in elite women's soccer. Uh, from your perspective, uh, working on that um, kind of rehab side of things uh, for top level women's football in Ireland, is, is is that aspect of what we're talking about the case?
3: Yeah, like, I I think, you know, the rehabilitation end of it is something that is starting to improve in women's football. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that we've got kind of a, what's called a FIFA 11 warm-up method that's been used over the last kind of couple of years. And they're they're saying, again, that it's a way of kind of, uh, maybe the term prevent is probably the wrong word, like injury prevention gets thrown around a lot. But again, as I was saying before, you can't really... Prevent these kind of injuries, we can we can minimise the the chance of it happening, but we can't prevent it. So, um, yeah, there's different methods that are kind of used to help with, I suppose, reducing the risk of it happening and kind of keeping that number or the percentage of of it happening to a minimum. But again, there's always there's always that risk, um, especially with the the increase in in the demands of the sport in in which I'm involved, which is soccer and the women's game is is evolving rapidly at the moment, which is great to see. So, um, yeah, as we've seen, you know, the the likelihood of women's injuries, uh, ACLs in particular, is starting to increase, unfortunately. Um, and I suppose the research into it, mm. it's probably not fully out there yet to, to show why that is.
1: That's an interesting point as well, David, isn't it? That... <sighs> a lot of the time gaps in research uh, create ignorance around certain issues and for whatever reason uh, money and time hasn't been invested in researching elite women's sport a hundred percent
3: yeah i definitely agree there like it's definitely i feel improving uh, but it's not it's nowhere near where, where it should be or at the probably at the level that the the males level is at you know um you know we've different different things to point to in terms of research wise, they kind of claim that the the hip width can be a reason for, you know, with women's pelvis sizes, it's a little bit wider to men for, in in the case of giving birth, um, they reckon women can be a bit more flexible than than men so that their knees and stuff can be more prone to like hyperextending or there might be a bit more laxity in the, maybe the tendons or the ligaments around, say for this case a knee, Mm. than than in a male. Um, And then you've got the other argument of you know, even though women are starting, I suppose, in the last ten plus years to really get into the gym environment and start lifting with resistance training, but there's always been that little bit more of an element of maybe certain males, in particular, being maybe that bit stronger in in certain areas of their body than say females. Although that is starting to kind of get better, I, I, I feel in, in in the female aspect of it. Um, but still, still, still not enough. Still too many question marks. I feel as to why. Uh, are kind of still on the rise, they're not really
1: changing, I suppose. It's it, yeah, and as you say, there it's a developing situation. I think probably women's sport, in terms of how it's supported by the mainstream consumer, has changed a lot uh, and hopefully will bring further improvements when it comes to stuff like academic research because more eyeballs on it and that type of thing. Let's uh, just get to the point that we jumped off on, which was the Nike boot. Do you think it's possible? that a football boot could do anything to mitigate against um, the, the kinds of dynamics that happen that causes ACL injuries? <laughs>
3: um, I don't particularly think so, no. Um, like, look, I hope I'm wrong on it, and I hope Nike have come up with an absolute worldy of a boot here that's going to do what it says on the tin. Uh, I had a little read of an article or two there about it, and... Uh, I, I can't see how a boot is going to make a change to what they're saying it'll do, which is again they use the term prevents ACLs. I think they might have jumped onto a bit of a uh, just, they might see a market here and mm-hmm. they're going to kind of jump on it. I think uh, with regards to this
1: boot, just like, a month before the but, Women's World Cup kicks off, conveniently as yeah,
3: well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, look, if anyone's going to be clever there, it's going to be Nike. So they're going to they're going to jump on an opportunity there to maybe get a few extra pounds in the pocket for themselves. But um look, I hope I hope it works. I-, I absolutely hope it does. Um I'm sure there'll be a lot of science going into it and they'll have a big team there that have already looked into it and they're claiming it it, it does what it says. But you know, they're using saying things like reducing rotational forces on the knee and all this stuff with the the shape of the shoe and that women's feet are different to men's feet. They are in terms of maybe size with some women versus men, you know, men might have bigger feet than women, but at the end of the day there's Thirty-three joints in a foot—they're all designed to move, you know, along with the rest of the bones in the body. So I can't see how a, a, a boot is going to reduce kind of shearing forces in the knee. That's that's what kind of our muscles and our training that we do are, are designed to, I suppose, withstand what you're asking it to do when you step over the white
1: line and play on a pitch. Yeah, well as you say, it'd be great if it does uh, happen. And if it doesn't, what we're looking at is hopefully then uh, that the sport and society keeps developing in ways uh, so that um, these injuries uh, can become less frequent and at least we can be compensated by the fact that if you do an ACL, man or woman, it's uh, not not the kind of death sentence to your sporting career that it was 10, 20, 30 years ago.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's so much um, improvement there in that, like, you know, you have your. I suppose you have a time frame now, and um, that kind of nine to twelve month mark. You have got from you know the minutes. Actually, even before you go for the surgery now, you know you have well you have your different options of what you're going to get. The surgeon will recommend either a hamstring or patellar graft. They go through the pros and the cons. You know, there's loads of advantages there with, with this in terms of over the last couple of years. So, um, hopefully, it will continue to keep kind of improving. We we hopefully see a reduce in the, in the amount of them. Um, You know, unfortunately, I've seen three in my last three to four seasons at loan at the moment with the ladies team. It's kind of been one one this season and one last season and then one the year before. So we're we're trying to reduce that as best we can. Um, But yeah, hopefully there'll be, again, improvements made in the next couple of years and we can have zero if we can.
1: Yeah, we just won't uh, be putting all our money on the Magic Boots as uh, we've been, <laughs> been talking about today. Uh, look, David, best of luck with the rest of the season. I know um, Athlone are in action in the all Island Women's Cup against Shells in the 57th millionth instalment of your rivalry in the last 18 months or so. <laughs> so best of luck with that game and everything else going forward.
3: Cheers, Dave. Thanks very much. Thank you.
1: David Harrington. Sticking the boot into Nike, other uh, sporting marketing monsters are available in your local sports store. He's the athletic and rehabilitation therapist with uh, Athlone Town and uh, the best of luck to them. They're in action against Shelburne tomorrow evening at seven o'clock in Athlone. After the break, you're going to hear about the best Irish walking, hill walking routes in the Midlands and thereafter, uh, we're going dancing in Moat
0: health and fitness with david hollywood with the hearing consultancy book a free hearing test at one of our clinics in clara Kinnegad, mullingar or tullamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids ear protection tinnitus help and more coming soon to eat and dairy the
1: welcome back this evening to health and fitness we are now moving on to a topic i think that uh, many will have an interest in it's um never been more popular, and that is the notion of hill walking in Ireland, obviously in the Midlands uh, with the Schlieff Blooms. We've got some uh, great walking resource, uh, natural, beautiful resource uh, in this region. I'm very glad to say that uh, John O'Dwyer uh, joins me. He is the author of 50 Best Irish Walks, and uh, specifically we might be talking about the easy to moderate version, but I know uh, John has done another version of that and plenty uh, besides. John, thanks for taking our call today. Thank you very much for having me on, David. Now, as I said there, it's 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 a growing um, exercise, isn't it? Or a growing uh, hobby is, is hill walking and outdoor pursuits in this country. Uh, what was it that led you to create a um, walking guidebook yourself?
4: Well, I suppose I've been, you know, I had been doing work and I had been hill walking for a while and to a convoluted story. I ended up writing a column on hill walking in The Irish Times. And then I was approached by a publisher uh, to write a guidebook, and I wrote that, and then it led on to another one. And I suppose I do like uh, writing as well, because I think most writers think that when you go off into your little uh, cubby hole and you get in there, you get you enter a completely different world. All your, you know, problems and everything else uh, are gone. There's just this tiny little world there that you work within, and I love that. I find it therapeutic. But then I love the outdoors as well as that. So we're discussing with your publisher as well as that you know you also have just not a book you like but other people will like it as well and we were talking about what you know is the, the way the market is going in this and after COVID we felt that uh, there had been a, there would be a lot of a good few guidebooks out but there was like Taron Toole and eric gill and she's Donard and wheel and all of those mm. in them but they was the long one day a full day walk so we felt yeah you know, what about the the family, the people who want to half their walk. So we put a book then, 50 Best Irish Walks, Easy to Moderate, uh, together. And that would have walked from two to four hours. And, you know, you're always guessing, and then you cross your fingers and hope. But actually, the first edition of that book sold out in uh, 10 months, which is very, very good, and we're on the second edition now.
1: Oh, that's great stuff. Well done. Um, that's a great point that you make as well, because walking is a really equal opportunities kind of exercise that everybody can get up off their couch and go for a stroll. And then when it really takes their fancy, uh, they can put themselves in that uh, natural environment. So it's uh, it's good that maybe if if the publishing industry had skewed to the more dramatic and challenging uh, summits mm-hmm. to climb and that type of thing, uh, there's there was definitely a space in the market for making a book for everyone else in a way.
4: Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the old guidebooks like the market and there's kind of somebody standing on top of a pinnacle in one leg that was six inches wide you know <laughs> but that's not the main market you know and i think that's you know that, that's what we have fitted into here and of course there is great recourse to the outdoors and of course then there's all the research that we have now which suggests you know that we have better when we have recourse to the outdoor outdoors stress levels go down, our mental health improves, and of course our physical health as well. So I often think if it was a pill that you could kind of sit down, flop down in front of the television and get all these benefits from a pill, everybody, you know, it would be the best-selling uh, pill in the whole world, but the thing is you have to make the exercise and move yourself to get out there, and uh, that's probably the most difficult part of it. But it's a win-win, Once you do get out there, it's a win-win situation, and of course highly sociable as well.
1: Well, that's it. We can do it with friends and family and it's a, an, for a lot of people might be a novel place to actually explore your relationships and uh, develop them as uh, <laughs> as it were, because uh, you do have a chance to maybe get into conversations and thought processes that uh, the world tends to not provide us with the environment for anymore. I'm going to just read out a little passage here I have in front of me, um, John, and then we might talk about uh, some of the roots in uh, Awfully and Leash that you've uh, detailed in the book. Uh, and that's it. an astonishing variety of landscapes and ecosystems has thus been created, which merges from woodland to moorland to peatland to fenland and then to lake strewn valleys with bewildering uh, rapidity. Simply put, the richest reward that comes with exploring the Irish landscape is the fact that there is almost always something surprising and enthralling lying around every corner. And that's probably an experience that chimes with anyone listening who is a hiker or does enjoy uh, taking on uh, anything from an easy to a difficult uh, walk across the Irish mountainside. Um, the scenery and the experience is kind of phenomenal, isn't it?
4: Yeah, well, th- th- that's the amazing thing. I mean, I firstly have you know, been doing work for the Irish Times and writing books, so it's been my main thing. So I've been trotting around Ireland for about 30 years trying to see it all, and there's still so much I have to see. I haven't caught up with it all. I'm always amazed at that for a small island. In other words, I used to one time as a bit of an alpinist, just go down to the Alps and you know if you did four peaks in a row and they were, all, they were all snow-covered peaks with you got more of the same with glaciers very beautiful in its own way uh it was on the Camino and you know there's all the history but basically the scenery from one day to another didn't change that much here you know you go around every contest such a, a variety you compare the scenery you know the the rounded summits in in we'll say Wicklow and the, as say the lakestone valleys and then you go down to Kerry and you see this visceral landscape mm. where glaciation has torn down down rocks it's a much younger landscape and that kind of thing then you go up we'll say to the coast in Antrim and you see these great white cliffs frowning across Scotland looking out as Donegal which is or not the northern ireland and ratten and that so the variety is absolutely incredible and uh, we can get out and explore but even after 30 years i haven't explored all that variety so i'm always amazed at the variety that's in ireland
1: yeah a small country but uh, absolutely jam packed with plenty to do in that respect let's move things on uh, we're going uh, to look at Loch Bora first and foremost here um this is the 38th uh, walk that's details uh, in the book and what I like about this in terms of you've got some uh, lovely photographs in it, some nice illustrations in terms of the walking route itself, uh, but a nice little bit of history so we get a sense of what the culture is around the area before we even set foot there.
4: Well, when I'm up in my cubby hole, the first thing I'm trying to do, maybe if say I won't always succeed, is to find the, the story of the wall. What's the backstory to this walk? And of course, there's a great one for bakpura because, of course, that landscape would all have been worked out. It would have been come, changed from a very rich, biodiverse environment into basically a, a, a peat desert. And of course, bakpura has two things. It's recreational. But not only that, they're rewetting the landscape. They're uh, recreating biodiversity. And of course, in doing that, then, of course, they, they, the landscape can absorb more carbon from the atmosphere so it's a carbon sink as well as that but it's a wonderful place i mean you go up there i go up there sometimes sunday morning and all these families come in and they're cycling and there's for you were mentioning you know bring families together there was there's such cohesion and that kind of thing if you could have that all over society which is such a cohesive society it's wonderful and then it's all it, it, it's a flat land. So if you're down in the Haggis Lenin Terry, you can see about half the sky. I always think then of the Midlands of Ireland as big sky country. You know, you can see the horizon far away, like the American prairies and that. So it is wonderful and it's, you know, there's innovation involved in it as well. It's a multi-use project and I think the Eximt Taisa for the moment should be proud of what they've done there.
1: Big Sky Country, I like that John, that's very good. Uh, The Abbey Leaks Bog, then this is one uh, that uh, if anyone is really just scratching the surface of either getting into exercising or indeed uh, walking outdoors or going hill walking uh, might be a nice one to start if they're in any way local.
4: Yeah, if they, they want to start, actually, the mid tape hillwalkers, they're my own club, they're going to be up there tonight and they're going to be meeting at 7 o'clock at the Abbey Leagues Manor Hotel and, just, and you know, there's no need of membership or anything. Anybody can come along and all you need is a pair of runners because that's a really flat uh, countryside. But again, you're going through a bog. Again, a bog that is being reclaimed and the, the, the biodiversity reclaimed and, of course, you know, with voluntary labour, and that's what I love. This is a labour of love. They have built a boardwalk right through it. So you can get, you know, a bog is a marsh, really. And it's very hard to get into the middle of it. And they have built so you can see all the diversity. And they are really passionate about what they are doing there. So I would recommend that. Yeah, great start to walk. And not only that, then, of course, uh, you have the, the heritage as well as that of the Leveshi family there as well as to some of their estates.
1: Very good. There's another one here in Duro. It's known as uh, the Leafy Loop, uh, which uh, just on uh, the, that basis, I really like it. But uh, in terms of where this brings you, you go right through the town of Duro. It brings you along our kind of river. There seems to be an, a nice uh, visual element to the Leafy Loop. Yeah, well, in May now, a bit
4: later, that becomes
1: famous because people pour into the woods there, particularly
4: in Akatrino Wood. There's the greatest showing of bluebells and wild garlic there. And that's becoming an attraction but then the great thing about that is low level again is to start of walk you put, in doing that you can walk by the artina river you can walk by uh, the Noah river and uh, you can all you know you can you can uh, get up the, the the hill then to bala wood as well as that with great views of the countryside and again the great thing about Dorough, it's a pan town and even though you know the ascendancy period in Irish history say wasn't a good time for the majority those people have left the great heritage and the great heritage there if you go up we'll say into Dunmore Wood and I was up there recently myself and you know they've you know a lot of our own commercial forests are Sitkaf and, and Spruce and Norwegian Spruce they're not great but my god to what the ascendancy period and natural woodlands there. Dunmore is absolutely fantastic. I say it would take you about four hours to go all around it. Now at the moment I think and the local people check with them going there. A small is maybe closed off, but there's still loads of walking to do there and Borough it's, it's right around the town. Doro is fantastic. And then of course it's a beautiful little village in itself.
1: Well, there you go. And uh, as we've been saying uh, during this conversation, uh, there's uh, something that's good for the mind and good for the body when we engage with our natural environment. And it really is on your doorstep just about no matter where you live in this country. So worth considering. We've been speaking to John O'Dwyer, author of 50 Best Irish Walks, and that's the easy to moderate uh, version or edition. You've everybody catered for in that respect, John. (laughs) Well, that's
4: what I tried to do when we bring out a book. Really
1: appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening. Thank you very much
4: indeed.
0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy. Carrying out free hearing tests in Clara, Tillamore, Kinnegad, and in our latest clinic at Mullingar Dental Clinic, Martins Lane Mullingar, thehearingconsultancy.ie.
1: Participation's always been a big part of health and fitness here on Midlands 103. And Chloe Farrell's always been a big part of bringing that uh, to the show, bringing uh, the latest from the Midlands clubs. So we thought it's about high time that we participated in one of these places. Uh, what I didn't know is what I was getting myself in for. Chloe Farrell and myself went to the Leinster School of Dance, where we met Shauna Coffey, uh, the owner of the dance school there, and the children of the Leinster School of Dance in Moat.
5: So, David, how are your dancing skills?
1: They're famously poor, I'd say.
5: Well, are you ready? Mm. You're in for a treat today because we are going to take part in a ballet class with Shauna Coffey of the Leinster School of Dance <laughs> here in Moat.
1: That's why we're in Moat. That is why. Okay, you're doing it too? Oh, of course. All right then. God, let's do it.
5: Let's get our tutus. Mm. <laughs> So, Shauna, what do you have planned? We're going to go through a quick
6: warm-up. We're going to do some skills across the floor. We're going to do some stretching. And then we might do some pirouettes and turns. And then, if you're very lucky, we're going to take out our acro mat. And you're going to do some acrobatics. A few flips,
5: maybe. <laughs> you're not helping the fear that we have now. No, no, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that.
6: Okay, so we're going to start off with a warm-up. What we're doing is we're immobilizing the joints, we're getting the blood flow into our muscles to prevent injury, we're getting the heart rate up, and we're getting our um, focus and concentration into the room ready to dance. So let's start warming up, and we're going to start in a circle, and we're going to run around, and we're going to just get nice and warm. <laughs> yes! go! We're going into a butterfly stretch we're going to open up our hips and we're going to sit up really tall and i want to see our our spines elongated our long necks and our shoulders down and we're just trying to get our breath back as well so everyone inhale and let it all out this time we're going to inhale and we're going to grow even taller and on our exhale we're going to bring our nose to our toes here we go okay we're going to have our toes out we're going to have into the sky. We're going to point our toes down. We're going to glue our legs together. We're going to use our core, lengthen through the spine. Very nice. We're going to reach without bending our knees, because that's cheating. We're going to go all the way down. Point, point, point. Yeah. We're nice. so using a different muscle group. Who should? Excellent. Good job. OK, toes to the sky this time, and we're getting the hamstring out. We should feel that.
0: OK, we're
6: going to go into straddle now. Legs out. For this one, you want to imagine you're being pulled up. So pull up and over, up and over, forward, up and over. I want does straddle help us with, guys. Who asked who knows the Abby? Okay. Helps us with our next. Yeah. What else? What moves? Yeah. we go split. Mira, What what move in your dance? Your solo. What do we do? Straddle jumps. Okay. So the next thing we're going to do for the corner is a grand jeté. So what we're going to do, you do?
0: What do you think of that? Uh,
3: <laughs>
1: that? That was just a noise actually, it wasn't any words.
6: No, I can't say a up lot for that one now. Okay. okay,
1: well let's see what happens. Okay,
6: the last round we're going to do from the corner is a straddle jump. We're jumping in the air and we're trying to get sideways splits. We're trying to get enough height that we have splits sideways in the air. We're going to do some shenny turns. What does shenny mean? Shenny means like a chain, so we're going to do a chain of turns. So we're going to go step, Step, turn. It makes
5: you dizzy at close, but... but you get used to it. Yeah. But as well as that, what do we do to stop getting dizzy? What's the dancing trick? Trick. like How did we do? Mm, you did really good, but can't say the same about him. <laughs> <laughs> so does David need a bit of work? Yeah, a lot of work.
1: Where, where exactly does the work need to be done?
5: Everywhere. Okay, yeah. girls. So you have to introduce yourselves. Emily. Emily. Kate. What's your nickname? Guy, guy. So you were in charge of babysitting us today. Yeah, yeah. How did we do? Good. Okay.
7: Okay. okay. No, 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 you were brilliant, but uh, I'm not very yeah. sure about him.
1: Tell me more about how I wasn't brilliant.
7: Because you need to point your feet more.
1: Point my feet more. Any other, any other instructions? Yes. Yeah.
7: Try to get, more, I try to just stretch every day. Go to the gym
5: every day.
1: Okay, yes. that's that's good advice. Emily, have you any <laughs> tips for Chloe at all, or was she just really great?
7: She's brilliant.
1: There you go, I
5: picked you a good one. Yeah, I, I think I have a good career ahead. What do you think, Guy? How did I do? You did brilliant. You're like um, a star. A star? No. So I don't need to go to the gym every day?
7: No. <laughs> what five. do I get out of 10? Oh, 9. ten? 9.5. No, a ten out of ten. 9.5. Yes.
5: What does David get?
7: A two out of ten. <laughs>
5: two. A, a two long out, two out two. of ten. Eight. One out of ten. One. Oh, yeah, one,
7: one, one.
5: one. <clears throat> Fair. So if you just start with your name...
7: Abbey, I started dancing because when I was 5 I started doing tricks. My mom said I'm doing very good so I started like ballet and then started doing like acro and all that.
5: And what did you do at a workshop in Dublin recently? So,
7: we got to dance for Abby Lee Miller and we like had to sing in front of her. We had to do a lot of stretches and we got to do a dance with her. And how did that go? The stretch is not that great, but the dance yeah. I got a scholarship with her.
5: What do you do with the scholarship?
7: So I get to like do Zoom lessons with her. It's a long time. It's two hours and 20 minutes.
0: Al- Abby
1: Lee Miller. I hadn't heard of her until recently. It turns out she's really famous. She seems pretty scary. From the videos I've seen, that lady scares me. <laughs> was she scary when for this thing?
7: Well, she was like... When we were doing the workshop, she was like... She wasn't mean, but like she wasn't nice. Okay. <laughs> Little so bit kinda, of Yeah.
1: Kinda how you guys were with me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
7: More
5: importantly, how did we do?
7: To be honest, I think David did it better. Liar
5: Liar. <laughs> did you just call her
1: a liar? Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that to children.
5: <laughs> the proof is with everyone else.
6: Why do we do stretching at the end of class? To relax our muscles. Ruby.
7: So we don't get
6: stiff after dancing? Yeah, it's to prevent us getting more injuries and it's also to get rid of the lactic acid that builds up in our muscles after dancing. So we're going to go back into um, butterfly stretch and then we're going to go into front split right leg. So butterfly stretch first. Okay, what well we do front splits, right leg. If you're in splits hands up. If you're not in splits go as far as you can and keep both legs straight. So lift that knee, yeah that's it. Other leg, left leg. Well done, guys. Point those toes, and then we're going down the middle for straddle. Good job, guys. Point those toes. That's it. You can do it. Well done, guys. Give them a big clap. Well done.
7: Thank you, everybody.
6: My name is Shauna Coffey, and I am the owner of Leinster School of Dance. I offer classes in classical ballet, acro dance, and lyrical, and I take children from ages three all the way up to adults. And pre-professionals and professional training.
5: When did you start or what's your own story?
6: I started dancing when I was four. I did Irish dancing for a day. One day and I turned to my mom and she bought me all the gear and all the shoes and I said, no, ma'am, I don't want to do Irish dancing. I want to do ballet. I was in a few music videos, especially on Midlands 103, a bit of Mike Denver. I was oh. in, off oh, in front with Mike, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was up in front with Mike Denver. I was over there recently in Scotland um, with Abby Lee and Kimberly Walsh from the Pussycat Dolls. So they invited me over. Um, I did the one in Ireland in the RDS. So I had to teach a, a, teach a ballet class, a workshop for an hour and a half. And then they asked me, would I go over to Scotland? So I flew over and then it was just amazing. Like it was a great experience and to especially to teach international kids and kids that I've never seen before and of a different standard. And some of them were really, really elite. So it was great to, to work with different abilities as well.
5: And Abby and Kimberly, they're both well-known names, do they have any advice that kind of stuck out for you?
6: Just to keep keep working hard, to keep motivated, to always upskill. So I'm always like upskilling in different areas. I'm also really uh, passionate about working with all abilities of students. So at the minute I'm doing a lot of work for kids with autism and young adults, especially in Dublin. I work for Spectrum Ireland and I do weekly classes and that's something that I'm trying to get into the midlands, I want like somewhere where you know all abilities can dance, it's not just whoever like wants to do exams or a show, it's just somewhere for, for them to go and express themselves through dance and music.
5: And the last question is, oh what did we do? I
6: thought you did really well, um, I was surprised, I was surprised, I thought I was going to be a lot worse. <laughs> um but fair play to you for getting up and giving it a go because i know it's hard and especially with them um, with the girls here they're quite uh brutal yeah. <laughs> especially emmy kate um but no fair play it was really i really enjoyed it and it was great having you guys here at the studio today thank you very
7: much
1: thank you a massive thanks to shauna coffee and the leinster school of dance and all the kids there um Abby, who gave me a good review. I have to give her a shout out. Emily, who helped Chloe through her paces and Emily Kate or Guy. Uh, It'll be a long time before I forget you in that instance as well. We're out of time here on Midlands 103 Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Joe Cooney's next. First, we're hitting the news.